0: Hello and welcome to the 66 to 87 podcast on DK Sports Radio. This is Tom Reed, your moderator, and I am joined today by Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari. And a little bit later, we will have a Sabres Insider uh, to kind of preview the two game set in Pittsburgh coming up later in the week with the Sabres. Uh are you guys as log legged as the penguins right now? Five and seven was is it, is it tough on the uh, beat writers as well, Taylor?
1: <laughs> I mean, well, Dave and I have the advantage of splitting them up. So uh, which one's I,
0: the Smith and which one is Jari in this in this uh, analogy? Oh, I
1: think I'm the Smith because I got Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, I,
0: but on a serious note, I mean, five and seven games. Uh, the three-game set with the say, I'm sorry, with the Devils, uh, they end up losing two of them. One of them, at least, they got a point out of. Uh, the other one, not so much. And, and boy, they certainly look like a tired team uh, by Sunday afternoon uh, in a two-one defeat at PVG Paints Arena. Uh, again, we're able to get a point out of it, uh, but you know, as we said last week. Uh, it, it was going to be a real test of this team right now. No Malkin, no Teddy Bluger, uh, Brandon Taniff, At the time when we were talking, did, we did not know that he was going to be out of the lineup for a spell. Uh, Jason Zucker still out. So after early weeks of the season where there was so much trouble in defense, now the problem is on forward. Uh, Dave, let's start with you. Uh, what do you see and, and can they survive in the short term uh, if they don't get some some scoring here, for secondary scoring.
2: Well, it, perhaps they could survive if they could, uh, you know, get the team defense and goaltending you need to <laughs> to win two to one and three to two games. Um, I think it's far from a given that they could do that. Um, you know, as I, I believe we mentioned uh, in our last go round, if. If you have to be a one line team, that's a pretty good one line to uh, be relying on. But you know, you you do have to get some some offense from from your other three forward units uh, occasionally. I mean, it's you you can't expect one line to carry you indefinitely.
0: Taylor, the, in the three games, uh, only one goal coming off uh, that was not scored by that first line. That was uh, Zach Aston-Reese in the win on Saturday, uh, same thing. I mean, where where are they going to find scoring here in the short term, uh, barring just say there's going to be a trade here in the next couple of days? How are they going to start generating some offense?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, Tanev, it should be back soon. He was a game-time decision Sunday. So that can at least help create more balance for the but, – but still not much. I mean, they're still definitely hurting. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure – other than making, making a trade or, you know, I don't know. I feel like there's guys on waivers who are at least better than Jankowski most days. So, um, there's, there's really not a whole lot they can do. They really just don't have a lot of depth that they can turn to at this point with, with the guys they have out that they do.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, that may, it makes it all the more important to have your power play be productive. Yeah. Um, uh, you know that again. You know that would primarily be members of the number one line who who would be on the, the top unit there. But you know that is uh, you know having a man advantage should uh, give you an opportunity to uh, you know get goals that you might uh, struggle to uh, be generating at, at even strength.
0: Uh, I mean, this the, right now. I mean, they are playing with such a you know the the goal the goaltenders Taylor are right now playing with almost no margin for error right now. Given which is weird to say. When, normally, when we think about this team and how well it was playing right before, uh, right before the injuries cropped up last week, uh, are is just. Uh, Casey DeSmith continues to play well. Tristan Jari's played played well. Can these guys hold them in there and, and and as Dave mentioned, try to win these 2-1, 3-2 games uh going forward here for maybe a couple weeks?
1: I mean, uh, they've been playing really well, but winning, you know, these one-goal games like that, that's not very sustainable. I mean, they do have the Sabres coming up where uh, you'd think they wouldn't have to put too many goals up on the on the board to beat them, but um, I mean, you 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 never know, but yeah, no, that's not sustainable beyond that, beyond the Sabre series.
2: And you know, uh, limiting the goals against does not fall strictly on the goaltenders, right? You know, if the guys in front of them aren't doing their jobs, you know, it's it's not realistic to expect uh you know goalies to consistently uh, win games by themselves. I the. the your sense, I mean, I, I thought that, that, that kind
0: of coming into this stretch before the injury started, they were playing pretty well defensively. Uh, I, I, th- I think the numbers have, have kind of bear that out. Do, when you get into situations like this, and I want both of you guys to, to weigh in on this, start with Taylor, um, you know, do, do coaches, uh, does the leadership of the team say, okay, this is how we're going to have to play right now. We're maybe a little bit more conservative um uh, because we're we're not scoring maybe we just tried to score on counters instead of just you know getting be maybe being as aggressive as we had been when we had three full lines flowing
1: well i mean looking just back to to Sunday's game when they went into the third period it was tied uh, 1-1 um what they 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 handled that really well in such a close game they took 19 shot attempts they held the devils to just nine attempts um and uh, I I asked I asked Crosby about that after the game, and he said um, they just simplified things. So I mean, that sounds like what you're saying, like playing more conservatively. Um, and I mean, that that carried them to overtime. But uh, I mean, <laughs> but like, still, you don't want to have too many games like that. So
2: yeah, I, I think that primarily you just want to avoid maybe some high risk moves that, that you might uh, get involved with on, you know, under ordinary circumstances with right. this team and, you know, make smart, which often means conservative decisions. Um, you know, don't, you know, don't put yourself in a position where, where you're going to be giving up odd man breaks or, or things like that, unless there is a, you know, very high percentage, uh, possibility of, of getting a reward for whatever it is you're doing pinching or, you know, joining a rush or whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, it's certainly, uh, it's certainly going to be an interesting time. And it just, it's, again, it's so weird because they finally, you know, they, they seem to have everything kind of going in the right direction, Uh, When this when this stretch hit, I I wonder, uh, ask both of you guys, I think that there had been a greater appreciation this season just by his play alone with Teddy Bluger and how he's come along. But even now, do you do you realize just even if if they had him in the lineup, uh, just how that might help them a little bit uh, in the predicament that they're in, Taylor?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we're talking about where they're going to get this depth scoring from. His line, when it when it was together, um, pro- produced a little bit more than, I mean, we're, we're seeing from, um, you know, the current uh, third line. I think uh, Jankowski, I think he's a point shy of Jari, which, well, no, Jari, Jari's a point shy of him now, um, which is not what you want to see, but, uh, no, but that, that line, I mean, they, yeah, they, they, we really good defensively, and they couldn't chip in offensively at times when they were together. And when you're missing Bluger for an extended period of time, of maybe just these past two games, um, yeah, you you notice when when they're when they're when they're gone.
0: Dave, have you seen a an elevation of Bluger's play this year, and and
2: something that is being missed right now? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's uh, added a dimension to his offensive game, and I think the most striking improvement he's made has been on faceoffs. <clears throat> I mean he he came into this season you know as almost a uh, Jankowski like figure on faceoffs, uh and has over you know 25 or 30 games uh gotten to be pretty effective at them and and somebody you uh you wouldn't be concerned about having take a uh a defensive zone draw late in a one goal game uh now he's uh He's made some very nice strides uh, this year and, and is obviously a, a big part of, of the reason that that line with Aston Reese and uh, Tanov uh, was so effective before he got hurt.
1: Bluger and Crosby, um, they're the only two uh, regular centers who are winning in faceoffs more more than they're losing, over 50%. Um, which, like like Dave said, that's a big improvement for Blueger last year. Uh, he was around, I think, 40 45% last year. Um, but in, in the different zones, too, he's uh 478 in the in the defensive zone and 485 in the offensive zone. No, 53.1% in the offensive zone. He was 48.1% last year, which is a, uh, that's that's a big difference to winning more in the offensive zone.
0: Do you guys it's just something that like that you, you sense it just? A getting a little stronger, B getting to know the linesman and the and the guys that you're drawing against, uh, or is it or is it just more than that? There's some guys I know. There's there's some players in the league that have been in the league for a long time. There's just not very good on the dots. But why do you why do you see improvement like that from from a player in his third fourth year in the in the league? He's worked at
2: it. Yeah, uh, that's the simple explanation. I remember I spoke with Matt Cullen. It was either before the start of the season or uh, very early in the season. Uh, and we were discussing Blueger and uh, his work on faceoffs. And Colin, who was a pretty good face off man himself, uh, said, you know, uh, with uh, absolute certainty that. Bluger, he saw in Bluger the potential to be a really good guy on draws. Um, he didn't say that it would happen in the first half of the season that was either just underway or about to get underway, but you know he saw that uh, you know the uh, the tools were there and the commitment was there that that Bluger needed to make to be uh, effective at that, and uh, he certainly has been to this point.
1: Yeah. yeah, you still see him working on them after almost every practice uh, with Vellucci. Um, they do a little bit of face-off work after, like, the end of formal practice. And Bluger's always a part of that. Not all centers do it, but he's always a part of it. Um, and he's just always been like that with any kind of weakness in his game. Um, it was, you know, skating to start when he was in Wilkes-Barre. He was just always like that, like, a, obsessively just working on that one facet that, that might be his weakness at the time.
0: Yeah, well, he's definitely been a player that's been missed. Obviously, most of the, and understandably, most of the attention on Gino Malkin. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see where this this leads, and if they can just kind of manufacture some scoring uh, from the bottom the bottom three lines. Uh, Taylor, as you alluded to, uh, there's still some games coming up with Buffalo to try to kind of get them through this, and we'll, you know, the Flyers. Who we're going to get to in the next segment. Wow, they are they are really hit the skids right now. Uh, so Pittsburgh, I still I'm still sticking to with my prediction that they're going to make the playoffs uh, regardless. But uh, we'll see. It, it's certainly gotten a a lot more tense than it was. About 10 days ago. All right, coming up, uh, we'll be back for our second segment. In our third segment, we will have, as promised, a Buffalo insider. Keep it here on the 66 to 87 podcast from DK Sports Radio. Welcome back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Sports Radio. Um, We were talking earlier in the show about how they're going to need, how the Penguins are going to need to find some secondary scoring. Uh, There's certainly no problem uh, with Sidney Crosby and uh, the first unit and his leadership. Uh, Guys, I watched him play Saturday in, in that win. I mean, he's contributing offensively. He's—he's he's, the leadership is off the charts. He's diving on the ice to make plays. My question to you guys: if if, if Malkin continues to be out for a while, and and, the, and Coach Sullivan said they hopes to have him back, or they think they're going to have him back for the playoffs, but are you guys concerned at age thirty three that just carrying this team over the next three or four weeks, if he can do that, that what that's going to mean to him kind of maybe going into the playoffs or the last week or two does he can he possibly run out of energy or just be so depleted by just carrying this team over the next month is that a concern for you taylor
1: i mean i don't i don't think we've ever really seen that from him before and he's had you know heavy workloads on him before um uh i like i i know i i look back to the the, the first thing that popped into mind was like the 2013 series where they, they lost against Boston where they just kind of all ran out of gas at the end yeah. there. But, um, I mean, that was, that was, that was different, but, um, I, 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 I don't know. I think I'm I'm still not at the point where I'd, I'd bet that Crosby can't do something like that, like carry the team. Yeah. You
0: never bet against, uh, A's
1: yeah. Anything, right? Yeah. So I'm, I don't think, I, I don't think I'm, I'm at that point yet, but, um, I, I, I think it's definitely not sustainable that he can produce the or his line can produce all their offense. I mean they still need to find depth scoring at some point but um, as far as like Crosby running out of steam I wouldn't I wouldn't say that
0: Dave Tom Brady, it's like it seems like the only one at, at age 43 who's who's taken on father time I mean Taylor's talking about 2013 um, can he
2: continue this at, at his age? Well I mean, if so it, it wouldn't be because of an issue with conditioning uh yes. i mean he is as passionate about working out especially during the off season as any player i've ever been around and if there is a way to will himself to continue to perform uh the way he has been under these circumstances um i i like the chances of him finding it he uh you know, he, he's a pretty unique individual in, in a lot of ways. And, uh, I you know, yeah, I, I don't think you could make a living uh, betting against the guy.
0: No, I don't think anybody would. Um, you know, this last s- stretch of games here, five and seven, uh, I think we all kind of agreed they, they looked a little log-legged in, in the game on Sunday. And normally in the NHL and even in the NBA, uh, the playoffs are kind of described as wars of attrition. In other words, teams just get worn down. Uh, uh, injuries mount up. I wonder if this year we're gonna, that's going to be true uh, with stretch drives just because of all of these elements that we normally de- deal with, plus the condensed schedule, plus COVID. Uh, do, are you guys worried Just with the Penguins, first of all, and in the league in general, how uh, this is going to really become a real struggle for some of these teams. And we've seen it already, of course, with uh, the New Jersey's uh, Philadelphia has gone through it. Uh, Just being able to continue to play at a decent level because of the demands being of the schedule and the things surrounding it. Taylor?
1: Yeah, I was going to say that a couple of teams that have had, you know, COVID problems early on or had their games moved because of other COVID problems, maybe have more condensed schedules than others right now. Um, like I don't know, like with Dallas, they're not the Penguins division, but I, you know, the, they don't have an easy run coming up either for, for the same reason Jersey was another team um, that, that dealt with, you know, COVID, but um, I mean, the, yeah, that, the, this condensed schedule at this point um yeah, that that can wear on some teams, like you said. We were in Philadelphia. What was it, nine nothing the other night? Like oh yeah, well, we'll
0: get to them in a minute.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I think that's um an example of maybe the wheels falling off the wagon at this point. After you know, just a, such such a tough schedule after such a long layoff entering this season.
0: And, and I know this is um, this is always if you always hear the curse, especially in the NHL, of the. Uh, the team that loses in this in this in the Stanley Cup final and how hard it is for them to kind of get back and they rarely rarely do they get back that's what was one of the great things about the Penguins when they lost in 08 uh they were one of the few teams that were able to get back and win the cup the following year that just doesn't happen a ton uh but boy Dave Dallas Dallas is still out of a playoff spot I mean they were They were a team that was one or two games from winning the cup last year. They had the COVID issues early in the year. They
2: just can't seem to get going. And this is with several of these teams. Yeah. I mean, this year, you know, as you say, it's nothing new for the losing team from the, the cup final to struggle the following season. But, you know, this is such an unusual season in so many regards, you know, the, uh, somewhat condensed schedule, the shortened season, the late start—you know—that uh, uh, I don't know that I would uh, say that the that the stars as a franchise are in a uh, a long term tailspin just because of the way their season has has gone to this point. They still do have some some pretty nice pieces there. Whether you know whether they'll uh, get them together in in time to salvage. Uh, this season, I guess, remains to be seen. But um, you know, I'm, uh, again, I did, this year, I think will will stand apart from from other seasons.
0: And you worry about it too, from a just an individual player standpoint. It's weird to say this about the Penguins because of all the injuries they've had, but they've they've been fortunate in not having that that COVID outbreak or having, to to my knowledge, they have not. Taylor, correct me if I'm wrong. They have not had like one of their big name players dealing with it, correct?
1: No, well, not. I mean, dealing with it. Uh, they've had Crosby was on protocol for a game. He didn't have it. Kapanen right, was right. on protocol to start just because of travel. But like, not. Um, Todd Reardon was on protocol for what a game, a game or two, was it? But uh, yeah, no. But they haven't had any big issues like that now.
0: And just, I and the reason I bring that up is I look at a guy like Mika Zavada, ad who had who had it in training camp and, and, and had to step away. He is now finally this past week and a half looks like the same player uh, that we've seen the last two or three years. I mean, you just, as we go down the stretch drive here, you just have to, the, all of these teams and the penguins have to stay vigilant on this stuff. Don't they? They we're, you know, right now, a lot of the news in our country is fairly good news with COVID people are getting vaccines, uh, the numbers seem to be trending in the right direction. But I think there, there still needs to be some vigilance with these teams and making sure that they, they, they first of all, stay safe for their own being, but for the well-being of the team and their team's success.
2: Oh, yeah, and you're right about Zbigniew. I mean, he had a good season against the Flyers in that game last week. <laughs> uh, but, no, I mean, the NHL, to, to its credit, has, has – put down some pretty strict regulations uh, for its teams particularly when they're on the road uh, you know where they're really not allowed to be anywhere but their hotel rooms, the arena, and if there is a separate league approved practice facility, you know that's it uh, just to limit the time they're around you know members of the public, Uh, and thus risk being exposed. I mean, you can't keep guys out of grocery stores or whatever, you know, when when they're in Pittsburgh. Uh, But the Penguins, uh, you know, I don't think it's just luck that they haven't had a COVID issue yet. I I think uh, they've had people, you know, follow the guidelines uh, pretty closely. uh, And following the guidelines doesn't guarantee that you're not going to contract the virus, but, uh, it's a good place to start.
1: I mean, you look yeah. at what happened in Washington where, you know, one of them had it and they all hung out together. And then the other one that didn't already have the antibodies from over the off season, then yeah. also tested positive because they broke protocol. And, and to go back to what we were saying, I mean, so Sam, Samsonov, he had it and it, it hit him pretty hard. Like, uh, when we had Samantha Pellon and she talked about how he said he, uh, you know, they're like, it, it was so bad he couldn't walk. And then it took him a while after even, you know, he, you know, it was over COVID. It took him a while to come to get back up to the level to be able to play in, um, in the NHL. So even if a guy has it, you know, recovers, like it, it, it could still take them some time to get back to playing for him. I mean, wilkes had that with their backup goalie too. Their backup goalie had COVID in camp um, and it took him a few weeks before he was able to actually like rejoin the team and be able to like play just, you know, the physical demand of it.
0: Yeah, it's it, – again, it is a really uh, scary stretch uh, coming up as far as just keeping guys – and, and, again, I don't know. We don't know for sure. I think they're going to continue doing what they're doing. But, again, uh, back to Dave's point, and we were talking about earlier about how unique Sidney Crosby is, the leadership. I think it does probably start there as far as trying to keep guys – uh, their focus narrow and just doing what you're supposed to be doing because that can wreck a, that could wreck a playoffs uh, stretch. And we, we've just, again, we've seen it too many times already this season with high profile players and guys is, as, as Taylor mentioned with Samson, Samsonov, who they were expecting to kind of be their number one goalie. who's just starting to really play again. So it's something that's going to uh, need to be, uh, uh, followed very closely coming down the stretch. Let's jump over. Dave, you mentioned, you mentioned that Mika Vinajad had a season against the Flyers. Everyone's doing that right now. This was a team in this division, we kept saying early in the year, five teams fighting for four playoff spots, and I thought that was a very fair to say that. But my goodness, what is going on with the Flyers right now? I mean, everyone has bad stretches. Dave, this is a team that made the playoffs last year, uh, a lot of people thought they were on the right path. that They could still well be. You've got 3.55 goals against average. You're 30th in the league. What have you seen of this team, and, and it does this come as a surprise to you?
2: Oh, well, it, it does. And if uh, I if would had to pick before the season, I would have picked Boston to finish first in the division and Philadelphia second. Uh, so it's probably a good thing that I didn't do that and have anybody try and back up my silly picks with their money. Um, the the I mean the thing that really stands out for me is that that Carter Hart, who I still think is uh, the good quality goaltender that the Flyers haven't had in decades, is just having a miserable second season. Um. He has really regressed. I mean, he's hardly the first second-year guy uh, to take a step back. I think we've seen that here with John Marino, although not quite as emphatically as, as happened with uh, Carter Hart. But you know, if uh, if you don't have the goaltending, what the other eighteen guys do really doesn't matter that much. And he certainly has not uh, performed as expected this season, Taylor.
0: Over the last six games, they've allowed 32 goals. Now, again, a nine-goal thrashing uh, by the Rangers of all teams—that uh, hasn't happened in the in the NHL since 1993, according to the Elias Sports Bureau. And that was that little gem dug up by a friend of the friend of the podcast, Sam Carcitti. Uh What do you see? I, I mean, again, the goaltending certainly is is always going to be front and center, but. I watched them the other I watched that nine nothing game, and they just got no back check. Their defensemen haven't played well. What are you seeing there?
1: Yeah, I haven't seen much of the Flyers um, aside from when they when they played, you know, the Penguins. But um, I mean, like Dave said, Carter Hart is a big big part of it. I mean, we talked early in the earlier in the season, kind of we put him and Jari in the same boat as you know guys who had really strong. Um, years the previous year, young goaltenders, and then they came in and were, were kind of struggling. Jari came out of it, and now he's kind of back to where he was last season. Carter Hart just hasn't, um, and uh, I mean, the Flyers are also just not getting the scoring from like, guys like Giroud that you know you you kind of expect and hope for 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 that team. But um, yeah, just uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, it, no one no one's a lock to make make the playoffs at this point uh, with the way things can turn.
0: Yeah, what a strange season. Okay, we'll be uh, stay with us. We'll be back for the third segment of the 66 to 87 podcast on DK Sports Radio. Welcome back to our third and final segment of the 66 to 87 podcast. And we are delighted to be joined uh, by John Warrow from uh, the Associated Press in Buffalo. John covers long time, has covered both the Sabres and the Bills. Uh,
3: John, how long have you lived there in the Buffalo area? Uh, It's just past my 20th. It's been our 21st anniversary on February the 29th, which is a day that only comes around four years.
0: Okay, you know, I, I for people that have not got to spend a lot of time in Buffalo, I, I think it, it that fan base is as passionate. People in Pittsburgh like to think their fan base is passionate, and they and it really is. I think the cities are very similar, except when you get to the trophy cases. Uh, one has <laughs> a lot more trophies than the other one does, and I just, John, what what are the what are the fans thinking? What, how are the fans? process this season it was one of the worst in a long time and that's saying something in buffalo for some stretch here
3: well apparently you know i mean they had to sacrifice the sabers for the bills to make the afc championship that's essentially <laughs> what it what it's come down to they can't have one team uh be successful and yet both teams be successful um the bills just finished their 17-year playoff drought uh to get to the playoffs three of the last four years and now it's the Sabres turn. And they're going on ten years, so I don't know. It just—it's one or the other here in this town. And you're right; they are very passionate.
0: John, I—you know—I wanted to get your your thoughts on tanking, and you know, the Penguins have had some success with bottoming out. They've—they've they've been lucky in the sense that they've—they've uh, they've been really bad at the right times. Uh, they've gotten some great foundational future Hall of Fame, or in some cases, already Hall of Fame players. And about six about sixty years ago, six seven years ago, you know the the Sabers were going through that stretch uh, where they were doing this. They ended up losing out on Connor McDavid, but got a pretty nice uh, consolation prize in in Jack Eichel. Again, you cover the Bills as well. A lot of people thought the Bills would kind of go down the same route when they when they kind of changed over uh, regimes, but they didn't. They they kind of played it straight, so to speak. Just kept taking the draft picks where they were, moved up occasionally here and there, but didn't just uh, tear it to the studs.
3: And we've seen what they've been able to do. What's your philosophy on that? Well, the Sabers did it wrong. The Bills did it right. Um, <laughs> that, that, that's essentially it. The Sabers, what they did was they 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 launched a project to to lose for essentially two straight years, without giving any thought of the uh, of what was on the ice what was developing in the minors. It was just a sole intent to lose, lose for losing sake. And it backfired on them. You're right. Jack Eichel was a nice consolation prize, but he's not Connor McDavid. He's not Sidney Crosby. He's not the guys that the Penguins got. And they had nothing, you know, behind them. When Jack Eichel arrived here, he was the supposed to be the savior. And, you know, they, they, they eventually built around him with a Vander Kane and Zach Bagosian, but those aren't franchise pieces to build around. They finally got Ryan O'Reilly, but what was in the what was in the pipeline was essentially empty. And the lack of a foresight to develop the minor league system, as they do very well in Pittsburgh, was what really was it has become the downfall of the Sabres. I don't know how you get out of it out of this. Now you go to the Bills when when general manager Brandon Bean arrived and started trading Sammy Watkins and Ronald Darby for draft picks and for other players, he made it a point to say, to emphasize, we are not throwing in the towel. We are here to try to win with what we have. As it happened, the Bills, that first season, after giving up on Marcel Darius, they traded him away to Jacksonville, um, they made the playoffs. They snuck in on the last day, last possible moment, when Cincinnati uh, beat, beat Baltimore, but the intent wasn't to lose. The intent for the Bills was to see what they got and to, to try to win with what they had to build a culture while transitioning the roster, which became um, which, which, which we saw the following year. It was a smart vision, and it has it paid off in dividends where the Sabres just can't get it right.
1: I mean, look at, looking at that further, like the rebuild, building through the draft. Uh, you know, the Sabres—they cleaned house uh, in the front office last last summer, and then I believe they still don't have scouts in what Finland, Russia, the WHL or OHL. Just how prepared are they going to be going into this draft to to try to continue the rebuild?
3: Taylor, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. This is a franchise that has issued mixed messages. Two weeks before Jason Bottle was fired, he, Kim Pagula told me, told the Associated Press, that Jason Bottle would be retained. <laughs> they, they they want to win, but they, now they want to win cheaply. Um, and yet they still signed Taylor Hall to an $8 million, thankfully, one-year deal. It's been mismanaged from the start. Um, they just seem to, they, they can't get out of their own way. I don't know how they scout this. Um, perhaps, you know, Quint Hughes, who they drafted this year, looks like a promising prospect, but that was, you know, from, from the, essentially from the previous regime's scouting, uh, scouting papers, how they move forward. I don't know, but let's face it. They're going to have a top two, top three pick again. So you, you shouldn't be able to blow that. Yeah.
2: John, um, this team is probably going to end up with, uh, fewer points than it has problems. But is there one single issue with the Sabres you could cite as the biggest problem either that they have and or that they, they must address going forward?
3: It's it's the lack of continuity that is really that, that has really caught them in this endless uh, bind. When you go through what is I think it's I think Don Granado is now he's an interim, but the seventh coach since Lindy Ruff was fired in twenty thirteen. They've gone through four GMs over that span. This team is built by essentially three GMs for to suit the needs of three the styles of three different coaches. They need to start over. They need to they need to start trading Rasmus Ristolainen. They need to trade t- Taylor Hall to get assets for him. And they should consider consider trading Jack Eichel at some point because I, I think they need to bring it back down to the studs. And start over. I know that's the word. Last thing that people want to hear, but this is a Frankenstein monster of a roster that just doesn't fit. <laughs> it that's that's how it's been put together, just dead pieces that 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 just you know limbs that that, that just don't fit from Dude. different bodies. Dave Mulanari,
0: why don't why we should not have any guests except guests from Buffalo? <laughs> that's would be our new motto. No other guests from anywhere else, because Mike Harrington. I didn't think we could get better than Mike Harrington. Well, and, and John is just knocking it out of the park here, Dave. I know you got more questions. Go ahead.
2: Well, uh, obviously there is a huge uh, project ahead for the Sabers. Is is Kevin Adams capable of? of overseeing the rebuilding job that that's called for there he needs help um he thought he could do
3: this on his own after you know all you know the whole front office was purged he's acknowledged that he's going to try to get help um he's looking at um and i'm sorry the name escapes me you guys know this better than me but it was the caramano son who was uh let go by the penguins um back which led to rutherford uh, uh rutherford's resignation
2: so that would be Jason Carmanos.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Uh, and um, so he does acknowledge that he's, he, he, he's going to get front office help because he can't do this alone. Here's how difficult it was a few weeks ago. Kevin Adams was actually considering going behind the bench when, uh, and, and firing Kruger maybe two or three weeks ago um, before realizing that he had the trade deadline to deal with. And he just couldn't do all coach and, and make the trades on his own. That's how desperate things, and that's how things, thin things have become here. Our are, are here in Buffalo. Um, I hope he has the vision. I, I I know he has the want to get it done, but the lack, his lack of uh, of experience. I mean, he was an agent for maybe a year. He's been behind the bench. He came, you know, he got the job after running the Sabers practice facility. Um, so his. You know, he played. He knows what a winner looks like. But can he build a winner? And does he have the vision? And do the Sabres, do the Pegulas have the patience to see this vision through? I'm not sure. Pe- better, More experienced people than Kevin Adams have failed.
0: John, you know, you, you had mentioned and alluded to a um, uh, possibly moving Jack Eichel if you're a general manager or a president of hockey operations of another team, what would you tell them about Jack Eichel? Because there were certainly some issues early in his career uh, with, with the coaching. And uh, you know, he's, he's kind of, it's kind of been let known that he, he certainly might be willing uh, to be traded. There's no question about the talent. He's a terrific player uh, but would there be some issues for you uh with him is if you were trying to and he's gonna whatever what, if he is traded, the sabres are gonna demand a, a serious ransom as they should. But are there would there be concerns for you as a GM of another team with him? Uh
3: to to a certain extent. But this is not Jack Eichel has some has had some has has had some heart. Tough times maturing into a leadership role. He wants to play, but this is not entirely a knock against Jack Eichel because he was thrust into a situation that was that 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 was that was unfair to him. He was asked to be the savior of a team and essentially thrust into that role without a lot of support. Should he have been named captain as young as he was? Perhaps not. Should he be the captain of this team right now? They can't take him take it away from him that is is part of the issue it is a leader it's it's I, I'm not sure if he's mature enough to know how to lead on his own and that isn't I'm trying to be very careful here I'm because I don't want to say it's Jack I think he's a great player it's tough to judge him this year because, he opened camp with a he, he, he camp with a rib injury. Has played through a lot of injuries this this year. You can't ju- judge him on that. But I think there's a frustration level of of not being able to succeed and not being able to see this thing through and make the playoffs. That is 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 hurting Jack right now mentally. Um, you heard him last May saying, "I'm." Tired of I'm tired of losing. I'm sick and tired of losing. And I, I truly believe he wants to win. I think he's capable of winning. I think he he he's capable of being that forty goal scorer. Um, maybe not here. Maybe not the way this team is built.
0: Yeah, good stuff. It's uh, again I have a lot of friends in Buffalo. I love the city. I ho- hopefully better times ahead. And as you said, the Bills, uh, the Bills. Uh, look like they are finally headed in the right direction. John Waro, great having you on, and Taylor and Dave, good stuff as always, and that's it for us today on the 66 to 87 podcast. Uh, We'll talk to you later in the week on DK Sports Radio. Take care.